Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Super grateful to have you here today. Hope you guys are having a beautiful day. If you haven't already, make sure we hit that subscribe button at the end. Stay on top of everything. University of Adversity is coming at you hot. We got lots of great content coming for you, and I don't want you to miss anything. So as well, at the end of this, please leave us a review if you get any value from it. Share it with a friend. Um, my next guest, we connected a while back. We're meaning to connect. We've had a little bit of technical difficulties. We went through our own adversity, which happens sometimes in this game of podcasting. You're dealing with Wi-Fi, electronics. You're dealing with all kinds of stuff, microphones. And, and sometimes, you know, you just got to gotta power through if you want it to happen. And today was one of those conversations where I'm super grateful and super happy we did because it was awesome. Andrea Vaneker joined us today. She's super successful. She's just, her passion to help people is amazing. She's the CEO of Sparks 5. She's an entrepreneur, speaker, author. Um, she's a Forbes council member. And she's passionate about accelerating growth for companies and individuals while making a positive impact in the world. You're going to get to know her and her values and how, how tell why she's successful. She's got so much great stuff to teach you. And what I really liked is her relatability, you know, and how, how she speaks is her mindset. She's, she's super positive and she's got a great energy about her. Hope you guys enjoy this. We're going to get into the episode. Sit back, relax. Andrea Vaneker coming right up. Andrea, we're here. We're back. We're, we're making it happen again. All the techie difficulties. We're, we're doing it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> how are you? So nice to see you. Likewise. Great to see you too. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. How are you? How have you been? Oh, really good. Really good. Um, yeah, it's lots, lots has happened since we spoke last and it's, it's, it's great. You know, there's, there's been ups and downs, but there, you wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Cause you learn just as much from the downs. You learn more <laughs> from the downs <laughs> than the ups. Right. So Indeed. how about I you? How's everything? Everything's fantastic. Uh, I've launched my latest book a couple of weeks ago and uh, we're growing the business. So it's ex- very exciting times. Perfect. And I can't wait to talk about that. Let's, um, before we get into your new book and everything, let's, uh, let's, let's hear. I want to take back for our listeners because you're, you're very successful. You're doing amazing things. Sparks 5, entrepreneur, speaker, author now. And I know that you're very passionate about helping people accelerate growth in their business and in their lives. And we, um, it's really exciting stuff because I think everybody needs more of that in their life. But let's, um, I want to hear, let's go back to the beginning. What was it like for you growing up? And growing up, what was the biggest challenge that you faced that had the biggest impact in your life later on? So I was born in Romania, an Eastern uh 
European country during the communist regime. And when I was about 10 years old, my parents decided to leave that country. But what I didn't know at that time is that it would actually begin a one-year journey that would be tremendously difficult on many, many fronts. One of them basically was that they took us out of school. I have two other brothers and we couldn't go to school anymore. A lot of people that we knew that were close to us all of a sudden didn't want to connect with us anymore because, as you can imagine, as soon as you say, I want to leave a communist regime, it's almost like saying, I I don't believe in the regime. Uh, And consequently, people fear for their lives. And uh, it was a very, very challenging moment for, for everyone, for the entire family. But with perseverance, my parents actually managed to get all of us legally out of the country. So five people uh, that left uh, with uh, the passports and we came to Canada and we began a new journey that, uh, that really uh, has led me where I am today. If my parents had not taken those personal risks and supported, if you wish, the, the adversity during that year-long journey, we would not be where I am today. And it has defined so much who I am today because whenever someone tells me, Uh, this is Mission Impossible, I'll actually say, I'll prove you wrong. Because this is exactly what my parents have done when I was super young. And everything that I've done uh, since then has always been driven by a sense of tremendous perseverance. And uh, and I truly believe that uh, there's nothing that's impossible if you truly... uh, If you bring passion and the right energy to get you to where you want to go, uh, everything becomes possible. I love that. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy to think too, because anybody that's from Canada is pretty much, unless you're from, you know, unless you're one of the natives or whatever here, um, everybody had to come, our parents, somebody's parents had to, had to get that, that vision of, we got to get out of here. You know, like my, I'm all from Europe. So everybody, and I think about what if they didn't do that, you know, how different of things would be. And how much courage did they have to have back then to just go, well, this isn't working. We're going to go to this other country that we don't really know that much about, right? There was no internet. We couldn't just Google it. You kind of had to go off your heart and, and there was so much to be said about that. People that immigrated out of different places and you know, I didn't come from Eastern Europe, but I mean, I can only imagine how difficult it must have been back then coming from there at that time. Like, what are some of the things that you remember about growing up there that have kind of been that when you, you arrived in Canada first, right? Like, it, what, was, what was that like, that shift? Because that, those are like completely different worlds. Indeed. I, I have to say that uh, during the time when we, uh, we were there, the situation was was very positive overall. In other words, okay. uh, we, had, we had a joyful, I mean, uh, childhood, uh, uh, food was abundant, uh, and so on. But what happened actually after we left uh, and through the family that remained there, uh, particularly my aunts and uncles and my grandparents and so on, what we came to realize is that slowly the the basic necessities from bread to soap uh, to uh, to anything that you would want to eat was just, you know, going down and down and down. And the population was really going through tremendously difficult moments. 
So I would say that we've been very blessed to not go through those challenging times that led actually ultimately to the fall of the communist regimes mm. uh, in a lot of the European countries. And, uh, and ultimately, as I said, we've been very blessed to not live those just really, really, really challenging times. It was, of course, we were in Canada, we were living in different types of challenge, learning the language, oh, yeah. adapting to the new environment, uh, uh, and it was a world of abundance all of a sudden, uh, as I said, all, not to say that there was not abundance in Romania yeah. while we were there, but nevertheless, as I said, it was still a world of greater extreme. Uh, and uh, it was an eye-opener in many, many regards. I mean, things that were not necessarily important back in Romania were super important for people in, uh, in Canada. And, and this is where you, you realize the difference in cultures and uh and values and uh it was a fascinating journey and you moved to montreal right exactly oh yeah it's a great i've never been but i mean it's <laughs> i've heard it's an amazing city so many yeah. people say montreal is the best city you know i mean i'm in vancouver but so many people say montreal is the best it is amazing <laughs> it's yeah. an amazing city yes um okay so you what you can speak five languages now right four or five Four. Four. I was like, okay. Which is fascinating because most people can only speak one, maybe two. So let's walk, walk us through your journey. So because you've done so well, you got a PhD in economics, master's and whatever you have a master's in, in which? Finance. Wow. So, so you've, you've done pretty well, very educated. How did all that start? Like, were you always, as a, how old were you when you got to Canada? And walk us through the journey of, of, how you ended up going into these in, into school and what, what was your vision growing up and kind of how did that all happen? Sure. So uh, when, I, when we came to Canada, I was about 10 years old. And of course, uh, the priority was learning the language uh, um, and uh, integrating really within the school system. And uh, the first year was tremendously challenging because of the math levels that we had in Romania. They advanced me a grade. So I knew how to do the math, but the uh-huh. conversation was quite limiting, let's just say. So the first year, in terms of making friends and just just really connecting with everyone was, was somewhat challenging. But it was in a year, I, I, I basically uh, started conversing very well. And uh, as soon as actually that happened, my parents said, let's now move to Montreal, <laughs> because we actually were living in Ottawa. Okay. And... Uh, so I learned English and now we moved to, to basically Montreal and now the, the other journey began of learning wow. French. So, uh, so as I said, it, I, I just embraced it and I said, this is our life now. And, uh, uh, and as we were watching the, uh, the different family members that were left in Romania that were going through so many challenges, uh, you know, learning a new language is not that bad in comparison to some of the realities that the people that were uh, were living in Romania were going through because of, as I mentioned earlier, because of the food shortages and mm-hmm. so on. Um, but from a schooling perspective, once I actually got my hands around both languages, English and French, living in Montreal, uh, my parents' dream was always that I become a doctor. And uh, given that I'm the youngest one, uh, or actually they, they would have liked the, the three of us to be doctors. So it started with my oldest brother. Then it continued with my second brother. It didn't work. So I was like the last chance to have a doctor in the family. Oh. So I decided to actually enroll in a program that would allow you to enter medical school. 
Uh, it was the toughest program. It's called Health Sciences at the CJEP level right after you finish high school. And this is a, a two-year of preparations before you go into medical school. So you do biology, wow. chemistry, physics. And I, I, I remember, I mean, being overwhelmed. And I was getting good marks, but I was not really enjoying it. So I... I, I really told my parents, I'm not really sure this is a pass for me. And they said, don't worry, we're going we're gonna to find you an internship and you can really be exposed to the different fields in the medical world and really, really choose something that you like. Mm. That's what happened. It got organized. I don't even know how. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I ended up spending a couple of days uh, where I was looking and, and spending a couple of hours with different people, different doctors from dentistry to surgery to, to general doctors. And, and I remember finishing that journey and I came home and I told my parents, I said, oh my God, I said, I, I now really understand what the life of, of being a doctor is all about, irrespective of whichever field I would have chosen. But I said, you truly have to have a vocation. This has to be within you to want to wanna, embark on, on such a journey. And I said, this is not for me. I said, I'll become a doctor, but I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be happy and fulfilled. And I, right then I basically said, I'm going in business school, given all the different languages that I know, I said, I'm going to go in international business. It only makes sense for me. And having seen my father also, uh, get involved in the, in the international business, I felt like that would be ideal for me. And my parents basically gave up on the idea of me becoming a doctor. But as I said, a couple of years later, as I progressed on beyond the bachelor's, I did the master's and then finally became a doctor in economics. So I told my parents, I said, you have a doctor. It just doesn't happen to be a medical doctor uh, that you have right now in the family. So, And that's a challenging PhD to get. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. That's, That's impressive. So how important is that? especially now with kids, because that's such a young age out of high school to think, well, this is, this is the path I'm going to be on because we go through so many changes and we grow. And I think back when I was 18 and, and it's, it's just so different, you, you, you know, and there's so much pressure to do something right out of high school that you think is right at the time or what your parents think. How important is it for these kids to sort of go with their gut of like what they actually want to do versus what they're being told to do for long-term happiness. I, I think it is so essential. The, uh, I, I know so many people that have pursued journeys in careers that they really are not happy in. Yeah. And when you're looking at the reality of life, uh, uh, if you have basically a 40-hour week, uh, not everyone has that, but uh, on a 40-hour week, we're going to be spending almost 10 years of our lives working. So might as well choose something that you truly love and enjoy rather than go on a path uh, where you're living someone else's dream. Like, as I said, like my parents wanted me to become a medical doctor, but that was their dream for me. It was not my dream. It was not my calling. Yeah. And in terms of the young generation, I think it's so important to, to really explore. And, and as I said, I, I remained open-minded. I really went as far as I could to truly understand what that career path would have been about. And then you can make, I would say, an informed decision. And I think as, and, and I'm looking even at my kids right now, I mean, they're growing, they're asking all these questions. 
And I'm actually helping them get exposed to different people in different industries so they can actually have a conversation and, and ask these people, well, what is your day? Uh, you know, how does it look like? What do you actually do? How many hours do you actually work? And, and that would hopefully allow them to uh, experience uh, uh, different ideas and, and determine a path that truly uh, is for them. But I agree, it's challenging because a lot of young kids have to make a decision when they're 16, 17, and, yeah. and, and it's, it's not always obvious. Yeah, that's so true. It's, it's, it's just such a... And so many people do different things now in, in life. They change careers. And I mean, that's all right. I mean, it seems like pretty crazy now. Well, it seems very odd for somebody to have one thing that they've started and then gone and done that forever. It seems like so many people, because they change their interest, and that's kind of exciting where we live, the kind of, you know, where we live in society now, because, you know, you can learn stuff. You can learn anything. You know, you go on YouTube, you can really hone in and get good at different things and have different options. Right. Obviously being educated is important. I wasn't fortunate enough to get educated outside of high school. I had a little bit, but you know, if there was an opportunity to learn something that I was really truly excited about, I think that's great. Right. But I never understood why anybody would go and want to do something that they weren't interested in because of their parents. And, you know, my dad wanted me to go into the electrical uh, electrician or, and I, I said, I said, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I have to be around people. You know, and, and, and I really think it's cool that you're exposing your kids to different things because they kind of got to figure it out, right? Because exactly. they don't even know. They may meet somebody and go, huh, I've never thought about that. I really like that. Yes. And, and it's fascinating, actually, the world we live in. Uh, the, uh, the statistics actually indicate that in, in the next couple of years, I mean, the, the young kids that, you, uh, that are thinking about opportunities, actually, I was reading that a large per- percentage of the opportunities actually that will even exist for them in terms of jobs, those jobs have not even been invented or created because yeah. of robotics, because of artificial intelligence. So we live in a world where there's so much going on and technology has accelerated uh, the possibilities. I mean, there's some young kids that are millionaires from playing poker or video games. Uh, and, you know, they found their paths. I mean, they're having fun and, and they're, they're, I mean, they're successful, right? I mean, it, the traditional models and careers that we have uh, been exposed to uh, are, I would say it's almost part of the past. We now have to embrace all the possibilities that exist. And, and it's, I think it's a very, very exciting moment. As parents, it's a bit more stressful to yeah. guide our, our children on the right path. But uh, it's, uh, it's beautiful, as I say, to, to imagine that there's so many possibilities uh, that exist out there. Yeah, because I guess for a long time, each parent, like for generations, it was kind of similar, you know, there wasn't a lot of change, but now, you know, how I was parented or how you're parented, I, I couldn't parent my kids the same way I was because it's such a different world. It's yeah. such a, it's such an out, it's such a different place. And, you know, we weren't exposed to so much stuff. You know, I'm 36 and internet, I didn't get internet. I didn't get a computer until I was in grade 12. Like, you know, I wasn't part of my you know, we still picked up encyclopedias and that's how we learn. And then it was crazy though, that shift. I saw the before and after and experienced it. And now I can't imagine like, what is it like to go to school? Do these kids have like, like, 
you know, how do you even know you can, you just explore all these things. And I just feel at that age too, it's, it's, it's almost crazy to think that you're going to have it figured out at 18, you know, like traveling is so important and there's so many things that you learn from other cultures. I agree. Yeah, I I agree. And, and, you know, I've seen so many people that have actually made choices in, in their early days, but have shifted uh, career paths simply because along the way, they've come to realize what was their true calling. And, and you know, when, when you wake up in the morning and you're super excited about what you're about to do rather than yeah. going to work and the career path that you've chosen. So, I, I, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people that have, you know, uh, have began a journey, have now embarked on a different journey, even including myself, in fact, like, you know, my path to to be more in the finance international field. I mean, I'm still in the business world, but where I am right now, as I said, has been a complete shift in evolution. And I would not have even imagined even writing books back when I was 18. I mean, I think life is, is a phenomenal journey and, and we have to embrace opportunities and synchronicities that come our way. And, and, and as long as you have that gross mindset to embrace personal evolution and remain curious about new things, no matter where you are today, you can always evolve and do different things moving along uh, on your journey. Yeah. What has been the number one thing in business that you've seen change over the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years? Is it, you know, because obviously social media, obviously the way things are done, there's a lot more talk about mindset now. It's kind of like the total holistic approach. You know, you, you, you got to balance your body. You'll get better results in your business. You know, some people just think it's all one way or the other. I find that interesting. But what, what have you seen as like a, a real shift since you, you kind of got into the business world to now? I, I mean, certainly technology, I would say, is one of the biggest shifts. And, and uh, if you're able to embrace technology in a smart way, uh, it can actually propel you to completely new levels. Uh, I, I've seen also innovation. I mean, uh, companies that are not able to continuously innovate in business, I mean, will stagnate and competition will outrun them ultimately. Yeah. So... I, I'm fascinated to see, as I said, really these, these two dimensions and how they're defining uh, new possibilities. Uh, uh, at the same time, what I've seen is, is, is a complete evolution as well in terms of leadership styles, mm. right? The traditional uh, models of leadership uh, uh, are outdated ultimately. And more and more organizations are embracing practices that are more relevant for today's reality, uh, the expectations of the multi, multi-generational uh, 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 employees that you may have. Uh, and so we're no longer in a, in, a, in, a, in a world where everything is driven by productivity and, and fear. You, you really have to bring a more conscious approach, a more progressive way of motivating employees and taking care of their well-being and uh, I, I've seen really that evolution in the, in the last couple of years. And I think it's, uh, I mean, some companies have really gone very far in taking that to the next level. Uh, others are still a bit behind. So you still have a mix in the market of both extremes. 
But it's great to see that some companies that are more progressive are embracing those new leadership practices, creating new cultures, embracing technology and innovation in new ways. And I, and I think those are the organizations that are going to thrive and, and truly um, grow in the future, while the people that are remaining in their old mindsets uh, with their old practices and their old systems uh, will disappear uh, from the market at, at one point in time because uh, things are accelerating so fast. Yeah, they, they kind of get comfortable with their old ways and they think that they're untouchable. You've seen that happen with different companies, Nokia, Blockbuster, think that nobody, that they're untouchable. Yes. It's crazy, you know, to think about that. And yeah, I mean, and that's what I find fascinating is like, what was the thing that they did? Like they weren't innovated enough or was it their leadership? Did people just, you know, what was the thing? You know, I always wonder the ability to change. Like, can you, how far ahead do you have to look? You know, like, are you like, it's, it's, it fascinates me. Yes. Well, I, I, I sometimes you take your current success and you say, wow, we're, we've developed something that is so phenomenal. We're having all this success. Let's just stay here. And, and that's yeah. the worst possible mistake you can make, right? Mm. You, you take Kodak, for example, oh, yeah. and, and, and the whole resistance to digital photography, right? Uh, so when you're looking at all these different companies that have disappeared, uh, it's, it's, it's because they've resisted evolution, mm and change and have not necessarily embraced the reality of market demands. At the same time, you've also had some other companies like Lego that was basically developing, you know, their bricks and very, very basic models, but they were in decline and they say, no, we cannot continue this decline. We need to transform ourselves. And they really changed the model in, in terms of how they were engaging a dialogue with their consumers uh, that led them on the path to creating all these innovations and new product offerings that they had never thought of before. So when you integrate the voice of the customer, and this is where you're no longer just confined to your inner world, where you believe you have all the answers within your organization, with your people. The reality, you always have to be very open-minded and receptive to perspectives uh, from, from your client base, from your your uh, partners and suppliers to truly embrace evolution. What makes a good leader in your, in your uh, perspective? Like what, who is a good leader out there right now that you think is, is doing well? And what, what are some of the traits that you see? Let's say like the top three traits that a leader must have. Yes. I would say Richard Branson is one of my most admired leaders, not only because of his, uh, pioneering spirit. I mean, this mm. is beyond innovation. This is about becoming a pioneer yeah. and doing new things. I mean, it's not just Richard Branson. When you're talking about pioneering, you also have Elon Musk that is yeah. phenomenal in that regard. So that uh, characteristic in terms of being a leader really distinguishes, I would say, key players that are there to truly make their mark in this world. Uh, so that's pioneering spirit, I think, is essential. Uh, the second dimension I would say is, and you see this a lot at Virgin, Richard Branson, uh, integrating that humanistic approach mm. to how we lead. Uh, people are not machines. And uh, once you bring greater appreciation, greater compassion, uh, and you understand the human dynamics of people uh, and adjust the priorities in your business 
according to everyone's different realities, I think that can allow us to really create flourishing cultures. Uh, the final, the final element in terms of leadership, uh, I, I would say you um, you have to be humble and and truly believe that you don't have all the answers. Mm. It's not because you're in a, a position of power that you're never going to be making mistakes and you're always going to have all the answers to all the challenges that may emerge. And that is uh, by remaining humble, we can. Uh, truly do an introspection on what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How do I need to evolve? How do I need to remain open-minded to what's happening around me? Mm, I love it. Richard Branson is such an awesome guy, you know, his just everything about him. I love listening to him speak and it's just, it's amazing what he's been able to accomplish. He's got, he's got just such a nice aura about him too. The way he speaks, the way he, treats people. Um, and that says a lot about his character. I mean, it's amazing what he's done. Yeah. Thank, actually, I had the pleasure of meeting him recently. Uh, our company was invited at an event uh, uh, that is tied to Virgin Unite. Oh. Uh, they created something which is called 100% Human. And they were bringing together different companies that basically were talking about the future of work. And what does that basically mean? And what are the leadership practices we need to embrace? So I would say just the fact that Richard Branson and Virgin Unite have set up this initiative and, and, and to, to really help organizations progress and bring greater humanity into the, the workplace is, is, a, is a testament, once again, of his leadership and how he wants to see more progressive organizations uh, evolve, I, I'd say, in the near future. Mm. Talk us more about your company, Sparks Five. So you're, I know you love. I know that you you have great energy and uh, you can definitely speak and motivate people. You know, walk us through that and and why is that something that you enjoy? You know, why is it helping people accelerate their business? And what do you see? It's a bit of a loaded question. You know, what do you see that is holding a lot of people back? So what is the thing that you, you know, why do you like it? And what is the thing that you see holding people back? Sparks 5, we've developed a technology application that measures and improves mental wellness. And uh, we've done a lot of research on this. Uh, everything we do is based on neuroscience and psychology. And, uh, and our mission is really to allow individuals to optimize their vitality uh, take care of their well-being and and allow them to become more resilient in the face of multitude of stresses that could arise uh, coming from their relationships to their career uh, and so on. And uh, what I truly love, I mean, uh, beyond the positive impact we're bringing on people's lives, uh, we are also a purpose-driven organization and we contribute a portion of our revenues to three philanthropic causes. We plant trees, we support education for underprivileged kids, and we also give meals to local food banks. And this journey of doing good, I would say not only through the products and services that we offer, but also through this philanthropic dimension and, and purpose-driven approach that we've chosen purposely to pursue uh, is, is really what gets me up in the morning. And I'm excited about the opportunities ahead. And uh, and, and I love, I love what I do. Uh, everything is done with a lot of passion 
And as soon as I've impacted someone's lives in a, in, in a positive way, uh, where they were able to create a shift in the way they look at their own life, their own limitations, um, then I've, I've basically uh, done my duty, if you wish. And, and that's really what my journey is about. So, um, Where do you see people struggling in that, though? Like, where, like what seems to be the thing with these companies or people? The, the biggest struggle that, that we're noticing right now is really the, uh, all the different balls that people are juggling, right? And there's a tremendous amount of anxiety and stress that people live with and and the fascinating reality behind stress is that stress we control but the reality is that if we bring a greater sense of self-control on how we react to specific situations we can actually lower that stress and uh, i've seen people go in auto-destruct mode simply because they're not able to uh, to deal with specific life realities and rather than go into solution mode, they go into destruction mode and then you, you start declining, you know, your, 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 your physical, your mental ability to a point that there's a domino effect then in all aspects of your lives. So it's, it's, it's really sad that we have so much anxiety and stress in our societies and in our organizations today. And that's really what Sparks Life is about. We want to transform that. We want to help people. And, uh, and I would say that the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, we're seeing more and more companies have an increase in people that are going on antidepressants. Uh, mental health issues are on the rise. And there's, uh, as I said, there's a lot of opportunities in this space right now to help people live happier lives with greater joy and less stress. Do you see a lot of people out of balance? Is it because they're not enough of their spiritual side or not enough of their, their, you know, putting what they're putting in their bodies? Do you see that a lot as being, because so, so many people think it's, it's something, some sort of crazy thing that you need to do, but no, if you balance your life, balance your, you know, you watch what you eat, you exercise, you have some sort of spiritual practice. It just improves the whole, the whole holistic human itself, Right. Do you see that a lot as people kind of, they think more hard work is going to bring them more results, but they don't realize like the, the, the soft side is just as important. Do you see that a lot? We, I do. So it's a mix. I, I, I think yeah. we're seeing more and more people embrace the meditation practices, yoga practices, uh, mindfulness, uh, which I think is, is, is fantastic. And, and luckily more and more organizations are also embracing this. Mm. Um, so yes, it's all a matter of the choices uh, uh, we make on how we take care of our, ourselves, right? Uh, if we don't strive to make the right choices in terms of uh, even what we eat, how many hours we sleep uh, every day, uh, we, as I said, we, we can easily... Uh, destroy ourselves and and in fact i mean uh, i'm sure you must know elizabeth blackburn she won a, a Nobel uh, peace prize on this she was analyzing the impact of stress on on basically the uh, our dna mm-hmm. and at the extremities of our dna you have the telomeres and with with stress your telomeres are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and that leads to premature death and yeah. disease so when you actually understand the biology behind stress and what happens, 
and, and the possibilities with, with various practices, breathing techniques uh, that can really allow you to lower your stress and, and as I said, react in a different way, uh, we can protect the, the deterioration of the telomere green, you know, uh, deterioration and really uh, not only be healthy mentally but physically, but also make sure that our DNA is also healthy and allowing us to truly enjoy life for, for a long period of time. I really agree with you on that. I don't believe people think stress is as bad as it is because we can't see it. Everybody thinks it has to be something that you can see, like, a, you know, to quantify. But, you know, I've seen it in my own family personally. I've seen the stress that's caused, you know, so many deaths in my family. And, you know, specifically my dad, you know, he has health, did all the right things, but he couldn't control his stress, you know. Right. You can eat all the healthy things you want. You can do all the stuff. But if you can't handle your stress, it's going to hurt you. And yeah. it's just such an important thing to talk about. And, and, but a lot of people don't, don't really think it's as big of a deal as it is. And I truly believe that it's the number one thing. I, I truly believe that that is the thing that's going to that's gonna be the catalyst to any other illness or sickness is that. Because I, yeah. I, I've seen... Nine, like, you know, I have, I've seen like, you know, 95 year olds, 97 year olds, and there, there's just something about their energy and the way they look at life. You know, I've had people in my family and I look at the ones who have gotten through and I look at the ones that haven't. And there's always this lightness about them. There's, there's energy, this sense of humor and, 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 and this ability to sort of roll with the punches and kind of like, you know. And then the ones that haven't made it are kind of the stressed ones, the ones that really, really are holding the tight. And there's got to be something in that. It fascinates I fully me. Agree. Fully agree. Fully agree. And actually, the, I mean, if you do embrace spiritual practices or if you look at life in, in new ways, the reality is that if you're able to embrace life as it comes and, and not necessarily be as radical in defining something that as being super negative because sometimes maybe a negative situation that may appear negative today that may really be a shock to you could potentially also be a gift could be opening doors for you that you never dreamed of before and and if you're able to remain more open-minded and rather say okay this situation is challenging it's not easy right now but what is it teaching me what are the doors that are opening in front of me and where can I take my life from here where maybe there's going to be something even better than what I've lived through until now. Mm. And I, I think as, as long as we have that sparkle in our eyes and believe in, in the possibilities that exist, uh, you then create synchronicities. You, you then meet the right people in, in your life. And as I said, and this is where you can evolve from very, very challenging situations to something positive, but if you close your heart, if you close your mind, and you you go into auto destruction mode, yes, I mean the, the future yeah. is going to be very dark. It's uh, it's it's very sad, unfortunately. Yeah, that perspective. If you can see the gift, gift in the challenge, the gift in the struggle, life becomes easier. And it's hard in the moment, you know, when you're really your back's up against the wall. But if you can see it as as this is the thing that's going to get you to where you need to be. Like if you want to level up in life, you're going to have to go through some of this stuff. You know, that's where you're going to learn it. And, and you're being shown this lesson because you need to learn it, right? And exactly. you got to lean into that discomfort. And I've really learned that in my own life too. It's, 
it's like, oh, this really sucks. But I know on the other side of this, there's a reward. I know there's a gift on the other side of this because that's just always the way it is. And it's always our fears, the silly things we're scared of. After you feel so great, you're like, oh, why was I so scared of that? And it's, it's amazing how we're conditioned to pull away and run away from that. But that's just kind of the way we are. Yes. And, and I love what you're saying. And, and the reality, the, the, when you're looking at the neuroscience behind how our brains work, yeah. we, I, I love this quote basically that basically is our brains are like Velcro for negativity and Teflon for positivity. <laughs> so this is the reality. The, 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 the reality of our species who has survived over so many years is because we're always watching for danger, for negative things that could be you know, hurting us or that lion that could be coming to eat us alive, right? So our brain is naturally inclined to think more negative thoughts and be in survival mode, right? Mm. And consequently, you really have to have a lot of self-mastery to, to look at adversity with a positive eye mm. because our brain will always shift towards that negative uh, reality because of the Velcro that I just described yeah. earlier. And as I said, it takes a lot of inner awareness and self-mastery to say, okay, this is a negative thought, but what's on the other side of this negative thought, right? Yes, maybe it's not, you know, the situation is not as pink today, but what's coming? What are... What actions can I take right now? And even through the, the mindset and the thoughts, the positivity, right, that you can bring into your thoughts mm. can actually allow you to see more opportunities out there. Because if you're just like in this dark mind, yeah. you're, you're going to miss out on people that may, may come your way yeah. that could basically allow you to maybe take a new step in a new direction. And you basically just, you know, have blinders on and that's it. So it's, it's, it's really about always remaining open-minded and, and embracing life as it comes and having that sense of positive energy that yeah. there's always something positive around the corner rather than the opposite. Yeah, like the victim mentality. I like what you bring up about the people that you can meet. And that is so true because think about how often people close themselves off. And you, you know, even when you got your head buried in your phone, you know, and we all do it, but you think you're, you, you, we're, we're all, we're in a public place. We're at Starbucks or wherever and nobody's talking and think about the relationships that could be like, we're missing, like, you know what I mean? And especially if you're closed off in a hard situation, you're just closing yourself off to so many opportunities and humans and relationships is what it's all about. You know, like, and, totally agree. and we're, we're trying, it's like we, we want to plan who we meet, to plan the right person to meet. And it doesn't work like that. It works. It happens. You meet who you're meant to meet at the vibration or energy that you're at. You meet it at, right? If you're vibrating negative tight, that's a frequency. That's a low vibration. What's going to happen? You're going to bring that kind of person into your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm fascinated by this stuff and just talking about it. Just, I love it. And what I want to talk about too, before I don't want to forget, is to talk about your book. So yes. I'm super excited you released your book. Walk us through that because I want to make sure that we can send everybody to go check it out. And yeah, I'm really excited to hear about it. Fantastic. The book is called Vitality, Life and Leadership Lessons to Allow You to Strive. And we talk actually about the five pillars of well-being or of human fulfillment 
that are also the foundations on which we've based our Sparks 5 application. So actually the book is really a, a synthesis of all the, the key uh, insights and research we've done uh, around, the, around the vitality, around well-being, and around human fulfillment. Awesome. How much of it was it a rewarding experience writing the book? Like, has it Absolutely. been quite the journey? Yeah. Actually, I published the book in English and French at the same time. Uh, it was a fascinating journey because uh, one, uh, one of the major banks uh, in Canada basically uh, knew that I was writing the book and they had an opportunity and they said, Andrea, we'd love you to come and, and speak to 400 of our, our executive leaders. This is when that is happening. Would you be able not only to do a keynote speech, but also we would love to actually be able to give everyone a copy of your book. And some may prefer English, some may prefer French. And I basically said, let's do it. I said, if this is really what you'd love to do beyond my keynote speech, uh, let's make it happen. And I made it happen in record time. <laughs> and this is where uh, you truly understand what flow is about because <laughs> you be able to drive performance and productivity and creativity in a very tight time period, you need to be in flow. Uh, you need to be into that positive mindset. You, yeah. you, I mean, if I would have started this and said, oh, this is never going to work. This is, I'll never meet the deadline. I mean, I, I had everything. It was almost military uh, and it worked. I mean, as I said, but it takes a lot of energy, a lot of sacrifices, uh, but it's 100% worth it. So let's touch on that. How flow state, how did you, okay. So you're busy. You're, you're doing amazing, a ton of things. You got to write a book. Talk us through that process of the flow state. How did you set it up? How do you set yourself up? So you have to have, first of all, clarity, what you want, what you want to achieve. Right. And, and if you have a big project, you have to basically slice it down in mini pieces because there's only so much you can do. I mean, the ideal duration during which you can be in a state of flow during a day is about, 90 minutes hmm. but in that 90 minutes basically you could potentially achieve what other people may take five hours to to do really yes if because if you're if you're in an optimal state of focus and concentration and you're not letting yourself be distracted by uh your phone uh, the notifications uh, if you really have that, as I said, that self-mastery, you say, okay, this is what I'm, what I'm focused on and this is what I really want to achieve. But there has to be also a sense of excitement. Mm. If, if you're, you're dreading this and if, I mean, you will never be able to get in a state of flow if you're not leveraging your strengths. Mm. Uh, and the ideal door to enter a state of flow, not, it's, it's really no distractions, a very clear uh, goal that you want to achieve but you also have this, this uh, table where if you're putting here basically the, uh, your, the, the challenge and here your skills, the, the sweet spot is where you're matching the skills that you have and the challenge that you're pursuing. But that you're always pushing yourself a little bit further every single day because as you're engaging in a new challenge, your skill sets are going to improve, right? You're going to mm -hmm. get better. You're going to get sharper in doing certain things. And then, then to continuously remain in a state of flow day after day, weeks after weeks, months after months, you have to always increase that challenge. And this is where the whole personal evolution comes into play, right? Where if you embrace that sense of curiosity and that gross mindset, you can always remain 
and build a flow into your life ultimately. But mm. another key moment, another key uh, point about flow is that because of the intensity and the cognitive effort, when you're actually in the, this maximum zone for about 90 minutes or even a bit more, if you can push it, if physically you can push it, the reality is that it's very exhausting on the brain. It's very exhausting on your body. And the recovery process is absolutely essential. Mm. So if you're not sleeping well, if you're not basically eating well, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're not taking care of yourself and listening to how you are actually feeling and you're always wanting to push yourself, okay, I want to get into flow. I want to go into this maximum peak state of performance uh, you know, every single day, but you're sleeping five hours a day, you're not eating well and so on, you won't be able to do it because one of the prerequisites is that you have to be in that sharp state of mind and energy to actually get into a state of flow. Mm. Would you say that maybe doing some sort of exercise before or how, yeah, like how do you, I, I love breaking this down because you know, I think everybody, including myself, can be better at getting into that flow. And so what would you suggest before you want to get into flow? And with the 90-minute window, do you mean straight for 90 minutes, then take a break and then go do more? Or do you break that into 30-minute pieces? Walk us through that because I think this is so important for people because we all want to do more. We all want to be more productive, yet we're, we're distracted. We're not feeling the, the best and we're, we're, you know, maybe working too much and not enough. You know, what, what does that look like within like, what do you do before? And then how do you break down the 90 minute window? Yes. So it starts actually the day before okay. you have to plan. I mean, ideally, if you're able to plan to get into a state of flow earlier in the morning, rather than later at night, it, it has been proven to actually be more mm. effective because your brain is all fresh. And actually, you're also in a state of creativity that is much, much higher. So if you can organize yourself to actually do the most challenging thing that you want to realize uh, during the, the first portion of your day, it's ab absolutely recommended. Mm. But you have to plan for it the night before. Okay. And you have to get yourself set up so that uh, whenever you choose in the morning that that is the time when you're going to do a specific task and you've really clarified what you want to achieve, that everything is set up so it's easily available to you, right? Like, so for me, uh, when I was writing the book, I, I basically said, okay, this is my target. Like I want to finish this specific chapter, right? And I just want to stay focused on that because I was actually at one point writing multiple chapters at the same time, but you can't, you can't have a flow in your ideas when you're talking about one specific topic. So I, I basically had to force myself to, to really stay focused on what, what am I looking at? And then you start connecting the dots. What is the topic I want to talk about? What is the chapter I want to I progress on or the sub-chapter? And as I said, that basically that planning starts the night before. And then you get organized with your computer, with your setup, with the books, the, the articles, whatever you need, whether they're electronic or, or accessible to you in print format to make sure that they're ready, right? That you're not, mm. you know, if you're saying, okay, I want to start this at whatever, nine o'clock in the morning, but you're still scrambling to get yourself organized. And I mean, literally have your document, your word file, you know, available, everything that you need ready in front of you. And there's no more excuses, but 
there's going to be a bit of a pain, right? Because getting into flow, <laughs> there's, there's some resistance sometimes. So that's why you have to have this sense of excitement. You have to, to look at what is the end goal, right? And in my case, when I was writing both books, I, I knew that at the end goal, I was going to have that keynote speech. I was going to make the client super happy. Uh, and, and ultimately, uh, I wanted to, to, to meet the deadline. It was, it was a non-negotiable element for me. Mm. And so that's why you need so much discipline to, uh, to get going. Uh, but as I said, before you jump in that, like, you know, the night before, you have to make sure that you're getting at least seven hours of sleep. Uh, it's yeah. been proven by neuroscientists. If you're not sleeping at least seven hours, you won't be able to optimally, to, to be at optimal cognitive performance. Uh, and that's what flow is also about. Mm. So interesting because it's even, I've heard that about if you want to go to the gym in the morning too, always get your stuff ready to go. You know, take yeah. away, take away the burden the night before, get it all ready so that all you have to do is just get up and go. And I, I like that idea about even with working and getting set up because you're, yeah, you're even setting the right intention before bed that the next day, you know, it's, you mean business you're telling yourself, you know, and I yeah. think a lot of us don't do that. And by the time we get into the zone, half the day's over and it's, it's really, it's really those simple things. Like it's, it's so funny when I hear that cause it just makes so much sense. And yes. it's like, just get ready the night before, you know? Exactly. I mean, uh, and, and plus, you know, some people uh, enjoy music. That could be a way for them to really close off and really zone in on what they're doing. Mm. Um, and uh, that's also something that can allow you to say, okay, as soon as I put my headset on and I start playing this music, I mean, there's some types of music that have been proven to drive cognitive performance, depending on what you're doing. Typically, it's not the heavy rock uh, uh, music. Uh, it's actually recommended you listen more to more classical music or more modern age music that does not have actually words. Mm. Because as soon as you play music that has words, it, 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 it basically interferes with your cognitive uh, uh, focus. So it's better just to have maybe sounds, uh, even the sounds of birds, of waterfalls, of, I mean, whatever you may like. I mean, you know, we all have different tastes and it, it's essential that we, we find what works for us. And then you really have to have zero destruction. Uh, no, no cell phone. No, uh, you're not going to be picking up the phone. Even You see what I mean? Like yeah. turn everything else off and get yourself into a location as well where you can optimally concentrate because that's also the other reality uh, when we're looking at a lot of companies that have implemented these open areas in their organizations, the reality is that the, the visual disruption, uh, the people talking, right, you know, auditory disruption, it's so challenging to get into flow. It's almost impossible. So find a location as well. You can really focus and, and not be disturbed for, uh, for, uh, for a certain uh, period of time. Otherwise, you won't be able to get into flow. Oh, I love it. That's so important. That's so great. I, um, I always enjoy chatting with you. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, you, you're for, to even think about somebody be able to, like, how long did it take you to write your book? Like two, two versions. Let's, let's just break it down. There's not many people that could do it probably in the time you did it. It took, uh, well, as I said, it was a journey that started more than a year ago, but I had put it on hold yeah. because, because I had to 
put all my energy into building the application. And it okay. was just a, a choice that we made. So it was not as if I was writing the book from scratch, right? Oh, so I was yeah. From something that was already there. And it was just now putting all the final pieces and so on. But I had basically, I had less than, than a few weeks basically <laughs> to wrap everything up. Wow. Uh, and Amazing. Amazing. But, but you see, as I said, you have to be excited about the challenge. And that was the key ingredient for me, that I was excited, I was enthusiastic, and I said, okay, I'm, I started the book about a year ago, it's been on and off, it was not really consistent, and I said, this is my chance, I'm putting everything on hold, so I can just focus on this, and that's what I did, so it's really about also saying no to a lot of things that maybe you would have said yes, just so you can stick to your deadline. Mm, awesome, where can we find you, where can everybody come check you out and check out all your work? So the, the best thing is really to go on sparks5.com. So spark and then X and the number 5.com. That's also where you can also have access to the book, Vitality. And uh, yes, and that's really where everything is available. Awesome. And you're on all the social medias. I know you do quite well on LinkedIn and yes, all over. Yes, especially LinkedIn. Yes, that's okay. the, key, uh, the, key, uh, the key one I focus on. Super, super grateful to have been able to connect again. Likewise. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, just to, just to leave off, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? I, I think it's all about it. It, it comes down to resilience. And, and I think, as you said earlier, it's actually looking at adversity as a gift. Mm. And yes, you may be going through some very challenging times, but if you can uh, embrace those moments and, and believe that there's something positive that will emerge from that, uh, that can truly allow you to, uh, to turn adversity into something absolutely phenomenal. Amazing. Well said. Some people get, st get stumped on that one at the end. Cause I always leave the, the fun question for the end. <laughs> that was yeah. awesome. And everybody's answer is always different. That's what I love. It's just like, it's so great. So again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lance, as well. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed that. You got value, which I know you did. Please leave us a review. Share it with a friend. Let us know what you think. To stay on top of all the episodes, hit that subscribe button. Hope you guys have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time.